I'm bringing the Bible reading tonight. It's from John chapter 14, verses 15 to 27. And if you're using the church Bibles, it starts on page 1081. Jesus is speaking. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keep them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I'm going to pray for Nick. Our loving Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for Nick. And we thank you that you will speak through Nick to each one of us tonight. Thank you, Marion, for uh, reading that uh, beautifully to us. Good evening, everyone, and uh, happy Mother's Day, Mothering Sunday. Uh, Particularly shout out to Amy. I feel like you led this morning. It's Mother's Day. Amy's got two children, and she's pregnant, and we've made her do heaps of work today. So hopefully it's been a good day, Amy, and you've been spoiled as well. Uh, Before we get going, why don't you turn to someone next to you and discuss for 30 seconds this question. I know some of you hate this, some of you really like it, some of you are just indifferent, you don't really care, and that's okay, we love the diversity here. The question is, what is truth? 30 seconds, discuss with someone next to you. And while you're doing that, Tim, is it possible to get those other lights on? Is it possible to get those...
Those ones? The band lights. Okay, I think you've had enough time there. <clears throat> what is truth? Uh, thanks, Tim. I have to start wearing my glasses. I can't quite read my notes in, in this light, but uh, that's okay. The, the band, you had lots of light, Tim and Piper and the band. Thanks for leading us beautifully over there. I, I love the, the kind of feel you're doing tonight, and it's great that our teams uh, do creative things with worship, and it's not always the same band makeup and so forth. I really appreciate that creativity and thought they put into that. Uh, so what is truth? Any ideas? A verifiable fact, Jesus. Uh, unrefutable or irrefutable, James? Irrefutable. Uh, okay, well, look, that's what we're here for a little bit tonight. The, the theme as we continue is uh, tonight. There you go, I can read my notes. Yay. <laughs> uh, the spirit of truth uh, that, um, that, that Jesus gives the spirit. We saw that last week. We'll recap in a moment. But... Um, it's not just a nebulous kind of force. It's, it's a personal God. The, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, and um, with personality. And the Spirit of Truth is one of the names uh, in the Bible that Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit, but there are others, but we'll look at that tonight. Um, but I do want to just check in on truth a little bit, and then we'll recap last week just for a moment. Um, Today, people feel mostly truth is relative, but I actually don't think anyone believes that when it really comes to it. So if you were flying with Qantas, imagine this was their motto. Some airlines are black and white about engineering standards, but we believe safety is whatever you want it to be. Or your bank, let's say the ANZ. Record keeping is for the narrow-minded. We let our staff make their own interpretation about your bank balance. Or your doctor, your physician. Well, take these pills three times a day. I don't know what they are or what they do, but they look nice. So give them a try. I like the color. Um, none of us are going to live our lives like that. None of us really believe when push comes to shove, when it's our safety, our money, our future, whatever it might be, our health. We don't think truth is relative. Um, and yet, that's really the mantra across the Western world in a big way. Perhaps the last, I don't know how many years, let's say 20, 30 years, since the kind of postmodern philosophers got going and, and really brought this suspicion of truth and this questioning of truth. Going to swap mics here, speaking of truth. The truth is this mic is checking out. Hello? Hello? Oh, there you go. Dan, what a, what a dude he's on to it. Okay, thank you. Shout out to our tech team up there. Dan, Rochelle, Tim Mitchell. Um, the truth is that when they do a good job, we don't know they're here. And mostly they do a good job, so we don't know they're here. So it's good to shout out to them sometimes. But back to truth. Um, truth is relative, uh, is, is helpful for people in the world today. When it comes to personal morality, to personal accountability... Um, it's much easier to be kind of wishy-washy, grey about uh, what morality is, what right and wrong is. And that's often where we see the attack on truth is around the areas of right and wrong. Because as, as I've just demonstrated in a kind of a, a bit of a, you know, s sort of silly way, but hopefully made the point that really when it comes to it, people love truth, people want truth. 
um, but it's, it's something that the Holy Spirit calls us to want and desire across the whole of our lives, not just um, the material, but the spiritual, the moral uh, as well. So let's have a quick look just where we've been last week. Um, Jesus is the one who brings the Spirit. Uh, we looked at the, the role of the Holy Spirit in his ministry, that he was the one promised, that he was the one uh, who would come and bring that Spirit of God back to humanity that had been separated, that human beings fell, we fell away from God. We didn't die physically in, in that point immediacy, but we died spiritually um, when we were separated from God. And Jesus uh, is the one who offers us that reconciled, redeemed um, relationship with God and brings us back to God through uh, his death for us, his, his salvation through his death and resurrection for us and his gift of the Spirit that we can know God again, um, not just propositionally and, and important doctrines and truths about God, that that's not unimportant, but that we can know God in, in that deep, deep place of, of spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst that God meets us there through Jesus. And John the Baptist promised this in his ministry as he was foreshadowing the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, um, the Son of God. He says, one's coming after me, referring to Jesus, more powerful than I, um, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you, will immerse you with the Holy Spirit. And then I, I kind of said a bit of a, an assumption and, and an underpinning for this series that we're doing is that um, from James Denny here, in Acts as elsewhere in the New Testament, the reception of the Spirit or the gift of the Holy Spirit to humanity is the whole of Christianity. Um, there's some, maybe some contention we could, we could wrestle with that a bit more, but the general point is to understand what is meant by the Spirit of God is to understand these two things, the whole New Testament and the Christian church that Jesus comes to bring the Spirit to humanity in, in a new and fresh way. The New Testament testifies to that gift of the Spirit and the church becomes the place where the Spirit uh, in the people of God dwells and moves and uh, leads us into the mission that Jesus began. Now let's have a look at Jesus, the truth bearer. He uh, was last week Jesus, the Spirit bearer, the one who brings us the Holy Spirit. Jesus is also the truth bearer. Uh, and he um, was spoken of in the start of John's gospel. Marion just read chapter uh, 14, was it, or 15? 14, sorry. There you go. I should do my notes better. Um, chapter 15, 14. Um, but it's, we're going to go to 15 and 16 as well in a moment, so that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. But in chapter 1, um, the gospel writer John, the apostle John, writes, The word became flesh. Um, that's a big statement we won't go into, uh, made his dwelling among us. So it's like the pre-existent Jesus, Jesus as God, the Son, um, comes before, you know, he comes into the world, he becomes flesh, he becomes a human being. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from God the Father, full of grace and full of truth. For the law... The law of God, the Ten Commandments, the first five books of the Bible, were given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And we'll look at this a little bit later in the message, the importance of grace and truth. If, if it was just truth, truth can crush us. Truth can, can come down heavy upon us. Truth can be um, really confronting for us. 
And uh, without love, without grace, uh, we, we find it hard to receive truth. But then if it's just love, or just grace, with no truthfulness, we can't really be transformed. If we don't know the truth about who we are and how God sees us, um, both in terms of our sinfulness and our made in the image of Godness, um, we need both. And Jesus holds grace and truth together. And we'll look at that a little bit more in a moment. Jesus, just before he went to the cross, was interrogated by Pontius Pilate, uh, the Roman governor. And he answers Pilate, uh, who asked him, was he a king? He says, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. It's a pretty big claim and pretty exclusive, right? But Jesus says there are two sides you can be on in this world. You can be on the side of truth by listening to me and believing in me. And by extension, you can be on the other side of falsehood, of deceit, of darkness, of lies. I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Or you come to truth by listening to me might be another way of saying that. So just for the philosophically minded among us, let's just have a quick you know, overview of maybe you know, a couple of thousand years of history. Um, summed up in three sentences. <laughs> it's pretty lame, I know, but it's something for you philosophically minded out there. Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, all the great early philosophers were Greek, of course, um, to say of what is, this is his version of how we know truth or what truth is, to say of what is that it is not or of what is not that it is, is false. I'll say that again. To say of what is that it is not or of what is not that it is, is false. While to say of what is that it is, and of what is not that it is not, is true. While to say of what is that it is, and of what is not that it is not, is true. And that clears it up. Thank you, Aristotle. That wasn't actually in Greek. That's the English translation. Um, but... Uh, have a think about it. You can come to me later if you want more Aristotle. I'll pass you on to um, some Google searches. Um, Thomas Aquinas, who was a, a medieval theologian in the church, an, an incredible intellect, incredible um, theologian and philosopher, he wrote, a judgment is said to be true when it conforms to the external reality. Something is true when it corresponds to external reality. So reality and truth are vitally connected. What is true is real. What is real is truth. And then C.S. Lewis says it this way, truth is always about something, but reality is that about which truth is. Reality is that about which truth is. So truth corresponds to reality. Uh, when we hit reality and face reality, we are facing truth. Um, truth is um, corresponding to reality in, the, in our world. Now, what about um, Blaise Pascal? If you haven't heard of Blaise Pascal, he was a 17th century uh, mathematician. He died in his 30s, but he was a brilliant scholar, philosopher. Um, he became a, a Christian through a very powerful conversion. 
He talked about God coming into his life like fire, uh, like burning him like fire, like the Spirit of God. He had this powerful conversion and he wrote a lot uh, against the unbelievers and the atheists of the day. He said, we know the truth, not only through our reason, that is intellectual truth, but also through our heart, through, through our spirit, through our inner person, as if reason could be the only way in which we can learn. And then he said this great quote. It's, it's famous. If you haven't heard it, here it is. The heart has its reasons that reason knows nothing of. And what he's saying is that truth is intellectual. It is rational. But it's actually deeper. It's spiritual. And it's something that we know and discern at, at a heart, spirit level. And Professor John Polkinghorne, I think he actually died a couple of years ago, um, professor at Cambridge, theoretical physicist, I think, and theologian. He was also an Anglican priest. He wrote, because we can only approach reality from some initial point of view, he's saying essentially our, our objective uh, knowledge is limited, experience and interpretation are inevitably intertwined. We cannot escape from the hermeneutical circle or the, the interpretive circle. In Paul Ricoeur's words, we must understand in order to believe, but we must believe in order to understand. So today, more so in the Western world, though it's breaking down a bit, the modern era is kind of breaking down into this, this different era where truth isn't so important to people, it seems. Um, what, what he's saying there is mostly we say, I want the facts, I want to understand, I want it all laid out, and then I can believe. Then I can, you know, offer my heartfelt trust and belief in this. What John Polkinghorne is saying from Paul Ricoeur is that actually, referring back to what Pascal says, there are times when we need to lean in and believe and trust, even though we don't fully know. And this is, I think, what Jesus invites us to and when he talks about the spirit of truth. We'll unpack this a bit now. That actually, we don't get to question God or have all of our questions answered. Jesus makes a call. He makes claims. He makes invitations. And while we might have questions, while we might not understand everything, while we might even have mental you know, issues, intellectual the, the invitation here is sometimes it's not just about understanding and knowing so we can believe, but actually choosing to believe, surrendering, leaning in to faith so that we might ultimately understand. I'll leave that one with you. But the sad news is that while there is truth, there is also lies, there's also falsehood, there's also deceit. And we are... Biblically speaking, we are people of the lie. Um, humanity is the, uh, in the, the great Genesis narrative. There's so much in Genesis that kind of, you know, sets up the whole of the Bible. And this is one of them. Um, the fall of humanity began with a lie, a distortion of truth. Because all lies are a distortion of truth. A lie is not independent. It's not a thing that exists in and of itself. A lie only exists. Falsehood only exists because truth exists. Lies are always a distortion of the truth. So here's the story. If you're new to church, you can read about it in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, which is the first book of the Bible. 
If you're not sure what the Bible is, just check with someone next to you after the service and we'll help you out. We'll take one from the, the pew. Um, now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. This is this mysterious, spiritual, satanic figure. He said to the woman, did God really say? Come on. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, she's, she's onto it. She's got this. And she's like, yes, God did say that. And he said, if we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we will die. So he has to kind of back up a strategy. So she does really well. She, she knocks it out of the park. By the way, I don't know where Adam is in all this, but he's probably watching TV with his feet up on the couch, being passive. Um, he should have been there. Um, and he was there, but he wasn't helping. Um, but then the serpent comes back and then goes, okay, let's distort the truth here. Well, if you eat it, you certainly will not die. Like, you won't die. And we looked last week and saw that physically they didn't die in the story. But they died spiritually when they believed God's truth and they turned to a lie and believed a lie. They spiritually died and were separated from God. And Jesus sums it up like this when he's speaking to the Jewish leaders in the Gospel of John. And he says to them, you belong, this is to some of them, not all of them. These are the ones that were arguing with him and, and were really having great problems with Jesus. He said, you belong to your father, the devil. Wow, that's a pretty strong statement. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, Jesus sets up this reality again, the reality of truth, of truthfulness, of the truth in him and through him and by him, and this other reality in the world of darkness, of deceit, deception, lies, falsehood, and humanity is caught up in the midst of it. Truth, light, lies, darkness. So what are we to do? And not only back then was truth and lies an issue, but Paul the Apostle wrote in his letter to the church, and you read it now, it kind of makes sense to us. He said, warning the church 2,000 years ago, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine or true doctrine, Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers, it's like social media, echo chamber, to say what their itching ears want to hear. And look at what will happen. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths because the truth is confronting. We are confronted by truth. The truth of God, the truth of Jesus, it is confronting. We are challenged. And it's easier to surround ourselves with things we want to hear and people who agree with us and people who support our views and our morality and surround ourselves with that and just block everything else out that might threaten that. Um, but ultimately, in the end, the truth is something that we should want and desire. If you think about it, it would be better to know that you have a serious illness, to have it diagnosed so that you might be able to find treatment and healing 
than to have a serious illness and to have it undiagnosed or to, to not want to hear about it. I talked to a, a doctor uh, last year about this in a conversation. Actually, it was Ashray Rajagopalan, uh, who's one of our deacons here. And, uh, you know, he mentioned, and I've heard this before, there are people when they get a diagnosis just refuse to believe it. They just completely refuse to believe it. And uh, rather than taking treatment or taking steps to do things, they just refuse to even believe it and make out it's not true. And then, of course, inevitably they die often prematurely than they might have if they got treatment. Truth is something we should desire and want even though it is difficult. So here we go to Jesus. He, he talks about the spirit that he gives to us and the church, that those who believe in him. If you love me, keep my commands. I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate. By another, that means that Jesus is also our advocate um, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world, the system of the world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. It's stuck in falsehood and darkness. But you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. How will Jesus come to believers? How will Jesus come to the church? Through the Holy Spirit, through the spirit of truth. And, and also note that he says here, um, he uses the word, well, the word in the Greek is a strange word, but it, it literally means one that comes alongside, like a, a companion, one who comes alongside to encourage and guide. That's the image of the Holy Spirit here. I will give you another one who comes alongside you. Okay, so why? Why will we need that Spirit of God, Spirit of truth? Well, because we need to be reminded of the truth. We need to know the truth. We need to be reminded of who Jesus is, what he has done. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you think about it, the whole faith could have died out in the first century if it just kind of stayed with, with the people, if it was just up to them to keep it burning and alive. But the Holy Spirit keeps the truth of Jesus alive for the church, reminds us and leads us to that truth again and again through the Scriptures. Jesus said, all this I have spoken while still with you. This is a little bit uh, further on in the text. Um, but the advocate, the one who comes alongside, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. See, the Holy Spirit wants to make Jesus known. And I think that's a really good test. Um, Mark's speaking next week on the power of the Holy Spirit around things around healing and miracles and those sorts of things. I think a really good test if you want to discern, is this of God? Is this of the Holy Spirit? And I've been around long enough in church communities and church circles to know there's some crazy, nutty rubbish that, that comes through church communities and uh, the Christian world at times around the Holy Spirit. And, and one really good way of saying, is this of the Holy Spirit? Um, is to just simply say, does this look like Jesus? Does this sound like Jesus? Um, does this feel and taste like Jesus that we remember from the Gospels? Would he do this sort of stuff to people? Um, like, I've seen some really undignified things around the moves of the Holy Spirit. And I think, keep in mind, Jesus was the most Holy Spirit-filled person to have ever lived. And he didn't look like weird and creepy, um, you know, so keep that in mind if you're going off to conferences or places or suddenly there's some new church that's, oh, the Holy Spirit's falling. Yeah, sure, maybe, but 
have a little bit of um, think about it. It's the spirit of truth. Make sure that whatever's happening is leading people back to Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to remember what he taught, to live like Jesus. Um, keep that in mind when you discern if this is of the spirit of God or not. That was free. It wasn't in my notes. Okay. And Jesus goes on and says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate this, this, to help you be with you forever, the, the spirit of truth. We looked at that a little bit further on. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, here it is again, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit isn't bringing glory to himself, if you like. The Holy Spirit is bringing glory to Jesus, just as Jesus brought glory to God, uh, the Father. So the Holy Spirit is exalting Jesus and making much of Jesus when he works in our hearts and our lives and among us. And a little bit later in John's Gospel, Jesus says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, i.e. hears from from Christ, and he will tell you uh, what is yet to come. And there's this sense that the Spirit continually leads us to Jesus to remind us of who Jesus is uh, and takes us back to the Gospels, the New Testament, the Scriptures to really uh, learn and grow in knowing who Christ is in that way. And then ultimately, the Spirit comes to us. The truth that the Spirit brings is, is something that leads to freedom. And Jesus, speaking to some of the Jewish leaders again, those who had believed in him this time, said, if you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. Not if you just know about me or, or go to church or visit small group now and then. That's, that's important. But if you hold to my teaching, so that means you've got to know it. You've got to understand it. You are really my disciples. Then, as you hold to my teaching, as you follow me, you will know the truth. And here's the beautiful blessing. The truth will set you free. The truth will give you freedom in your life. Not freedom to sin and do what you want, but freedom to love God, to live um, in Him and to know Him, to live free uh, like you were made to live, to live free. And then Jesus says, actually, truth um, is me. Truth is personal. He said, I am the way. I'm the way to God. I am the truth. All truth finds its fulfillment and manifestation in me. And I am the life. Now, I know, I get that in a pluralistic society, um, you know, where we're kind of want to be inclusive and all that. That's fine. But these are exclusive claims from Jesus. And I'm not making them. Um, you know, talk to him about it if you're unhappy with it. Um, or take it or leave it. That's up to you. Um, but these are the words that have been passed on to us from Jesus. And it's important in church communities that we grapple with them and deal with them. I love what George Beasley Murray says about these passages in John. The Spirit is sent by the Father, but in the name of Jesus, which binds the Spirit closely to Jesus, what I've just been saying. Jesus is represented as the sent one of God, having his origin in God, a mission from God, and an authority from God. That the Spirit is sent by the Father carries similar implications. Jesus affirmed that he had come in the name of his Father as his representative. The Spirit, however, is sent in the name of Jesus and he comes as his representative. 
So when we say, come Holy Spirit, when we want more of the Spirit in our lives, what we're saying ultimately is we want more of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is going to make Jesus real to us. It's going to teach us about Jesus. It's going to help us be conformed to Jesus in our character, in our lives. The Holy Spirit is going to make Jesus more real. And so there's nothing to fear. You know, we don't have to fear like the Holy Spirit's like, kind of like some spooky thing. No, the Holy Spirit brings Christ and makes Christ real to us in such a beautiful way. So let's just swing back to, to grace and truth. We started with Jesus is full of grace and truth. And um, Tim Keller, got to get him in at least once a month in a sermon, I feel. Maybe it's been a few months. Sorry, Tim, but um, you get quoted enough anyway. Here it is. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, which is great, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. But truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness. Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and truth about who we are, and yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. And I find that beautiful. Uh, I find that is such a gracious um, principle in our faith is that, uh, that God does want to bring truth to us because truth will heal, truth will help, truth will set us free. Though truth, it's not easy sometimes to face the truth about our life, where it is, about who we are. Um, we carry these concurrent truths of being made in the image of God, precious and dearly loved, but being broken and flawed. And I don't have to convince you of that. I remember before I became a Christian, I didn't even know what a sinner was. But I knew that I was one. <laughs> I knew that I was unclean. I knew that I, I had done things that violated my own conscience, let alone God's perfect laws. And once I started to hear about Jesus, there was something enticing and beautiful about hearing about Jesus. But I also remember starting to be afraid and thinking, well, if this is true, this is real, then I'm in trouble because I know my life. I know my darkness. I know the lies I'm living. I know that, that I deserve judgment. I know that I've fallen short. So I'm kind of engaged and enticed and, and open and, and Jesus is amazing. At the same time, I'm afraid and fearful thinking, wow, this means change in my life. This means things have to change. And I love that Jesus brings us truth. He loves us so much, he tells us the truth, but he loves us so much, he gives us grace and mercy to help us change, to help us grow, and doesn't condemn us by the truth, but sets us free. And just a couple of words as we finish. I think, just to want, I want to anchor truth a little bit more. It's, it's been anchored in Jesus, and that's enough. But um, it's not just a nebulous concept. It's not just an intellectual concept. Justice and truth are really powerfully linked together. Where there's no truth in a society, in a city, in a nation, in a home, where there's lies, where there's deceit, where there's deception, there's also always, inevitably, injustice. And so the prophet Isaiah said many, many centuries ago, probably 2,700 years ago, maybe 3,000 years, so justice is driven back 
and righteousness stands at a distance. Why? This is, he's talking about the corruption and the breakdown of the social order of people suffering, people being poor and oppressed, of people being exploited. He says, justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Why? Because truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. And you think of this in, in South Africa, you know, when they started to have their truth and justice commissions after the reign of apartheid, the truth had to be spoken for there to be justice. You think even in Victoria, our own state here, the state government's setting up a justice commission, a truth commission, sorry, um, to deal with issues of, of um, historical uh, crimes and wrongs against Indigenous people. They're setting up a truth commission. So truth is important for, for so many things, but just as a, a little aside here, you know, truth and justice hang together beautifully. If there's no truth, there's no justice. But for there to be truth and justice, that means there has to be a judge and a lawgiver, God. And that means he gets to judge and decide what is right and wrong, what is true, what is false. And Jesus says, come to me. I'm the one who invites you into that truth, who passes over judgment for you, who forgives your sins, who brings justice through my death for you uh, and brings truth to you and to this world. So where do we land? Truth leads to freedom and life. Lies lead to bondage and death. Truth, the truth of Jesus, leads us to life, to freedom, and lies, living in darkness, leads to bondage and death. It's easier to live in darkness it's easier to live lies in the short term. In the long term, it's much more costly, like the people with the diagnosis who believe a lie that they don't really have a sickness. Um, it's fine in the short term. It just gives them some sort of relief, but in the long term, it kills them. Truth leads to freedom and life. Lies lead to bondage and death. The Holy Spirit, according to what Jesus has taught us here in John's Gospel, helps us know the truth helps us remember truth, helps us live the truth. And this ultimately leads us to freedom and to life. And that's good news. So a couple of things to finish, and then I want to pray for us. Um, this is my thoughts on truth here from what we've looked at. Truth is revealed in the Bible. It comes from God. Truth doesn't come from within us. God reveals truth to us, and through his word, the Bible, we hear and see that truth, and Jesus is the personification, the ultimate truth that God reveals to us. Truth is celebrated or should be celebrated when we worship together, when we sing these beautiful songs, we're proclaiming truth to one another, uh, when we pray together, uh, when we gather together, we're proclaiming the truth that is in Jesus. Truth is proclaimed when we preach and teach in church communities. That's why we do this. It's not just so pastors can have a job, have something to do on Sundays. We preach and teach to keep the truth, the truth of Jesus, the truth of God's word before the people uh, as the center of our community. And if you go to a church and they're not preaching and teaching the scriptures consistently, find a new church. Uh, that's my advice. 
Truth is shared together in various life settings. So when you get together in small groups, prayer times, when you catch up with friends for lunch, dinner, when you gather together around the table as believers, we can share truth together. We can affirm that truth in and through one another and, and encourage each other. Truth is brighter when we pray. Prayer is such a beautiful way for the Holy Spirit to, to bring light and truth into our lives. To, I just recently was praying and just realized there was you know, some real fear and anxiety in my heart about the future and, and I just had a sense of, of God speaking into that and, and in that prayer, that light and truth coming to, to kind of free me in that moment from feeling anxious and fearful about the future in different ways. The truth is brighter when we pray, when we give the Holy Spirit the chance to speak into our lives as we read God's Word. Truth believed and lived sets us free and leads us to life. Let me pray for us. But as we pray, I'll ask just a couple of questions. Are you embracing truth? Are you open to the truth? Do you want to know the truth about God, about who you are, about your life? Uh, Is truth something that you are pursuing and cultivating and seeking in and through Jesus, through God's word, through the spirit of God in your life. Conversely, are there areas of darkness? Are there lies? Is there any deceit in your life which is robbing you of freedom, which is robbing you of life? Maybe in this moment now as I pray, could be a chance to say, Lord, I don't want to live in darkness. I don't want to live in deceit or deception. I want the truth. I want to be truthful. I want to be free. I want to have life. So let me pray for us. And then I'm going to invite us to pray together. There'll be a prayer up on the screen that we can pray together. But let me pray. Uh, Our Father God, we thank you for sending Jesus, who brings you glory and who wanted to do your will and make much of you and glorify you in his life and ministry. We thank you for the Holy Spirit whom has been sent by the Father to those who believe in Christ, sent in the name of Jesus. Father, would you send your spirit afresh tonight to us? Would you help us to have believing and faithful hearts to welcome you and to say, yes, Holy Spirit, come into my life afresh. Spirit of truth, take up residence in my life afresh. Spirit of truth, I welcome you. Spirit of truth, set me free from lies and deception and deceit. Spirit of truth, set me free from darkness in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know the truth hurts sometimes. I know, Lord, truth can be hard. But Lord, what's harder is living longer term in deception and deceit and darkness. So God, out of your mercy and grace, Would you affirm and encourage all of us here tonight that when you bring truth, you don't want to condemn us. You don't want to shame us. You don't want to make an example of us and embarrass us publicly. That you want to bring grace and mercy. That you want to bring your love. That you see from your perspective of light and truth and eternity, you see where darkness and lies and deceit rob us steal our joy, steal our life, steal our future. You see where lies and deception and deceit bind us and and chain us up in shame 
and guilt and despair. So Father, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would pour out your spirit in the name of Jesus to break the chains of deception and deceit, to turn our hearts again to light and truth and the revelation of God in Jesus. Father, set us free in the name of Jesus Christ to worship you. For Jesus said that the only way we can worship you is through spirit and through truth, that the worshipers the Father is seeking are those who seek and worship in spirit and in truth, in the Holy Spirit and in truth. So Lord, you know everything about everyone here tonight. You know about my life. You know about every person here, every person listening online. You know us. You know everything. You even know things about us that we don't know. And we surrender to you, the almighty, omniscient one, the creator. And we say, Lord, here are our lives. We're not going to lie. We're not going to make out that everything's fine when it's not. We're not going to make out that everything's light and truthful when we know there are areas in our lives that uh, we need to repent. We need to change our thinking about and agree with you about. So come by your spirit, Lord. Let your light come and reveal to us where we need to come to you to ask forgiveness, to, to move into a new season of freedom and grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you bring grace and truth to us. You are the one who bears the truth, who tells us the truth, and you are the one who loves us more than anyone ever will love us or can love us. So we come to you, Jesus. We surrender to your truth. We surrender to your grace and mercy. And we say, come, come, Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you, Spirit of truth. And let's pray together. Be up on the screen. Father God, why don't we stand together and I invite you to, if you feel comfortable, hold out your hands in a position of surrender uh, as, as you pray this. Or if you have another way of surrendering, maybe you could kneel down or bow your head, whatever uh, is a posture for you if you want to, to surrender. Let's pray together. Father God, we ask you to give us your Holy Spirit now. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us with the love of God. Holy Spirit, come. Affirm that we are God's children. Holy Spirit, come. Reveal truth to us and set us free. Holy Spirit, come. Give us power to testify about Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Let your joy fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Lead us in the truth of Jesus.